Welcome back, everybody, to Opportunity Knocks, the podcast for small business owners, salespeople, hustlers, entrepreneurs, anybody who's looking to make a difference and finds an opportunity and learns how to maximize it. My name is Dean Miller. I am your host, and I am here today with our wonderful guest, Chris Pesci. Chris and I got to meet uh, a couple months back. Um, Through the wonderful world of social media, I was introduced to him through a mutual friend. Uh, I was in the process of looking for a new office for myself. Uh, as a residential real estate broker, I know what my lane is and commercial is not that area to focus on. Therefore, I've always hired commercial brokers to work for me. That's why they do what they do and I do what I do. Um, we talk about staying in your lane sometimes and sometimes you can pivot and move in and out, but there are areas of expertise. Like I tell people all the time, just because a, dent, a, a podiatrist and a brain surgeon both went to medical school, you probably wouldn't want them flip-flopping when it came time to need either one of them. So uh, Chris uh, did a great job working for me, helped us find a great commercial space here in Wontaw, showed me a couple properties, some on the buy side, some on the lease side. Where we are now is where we settled. It was the best It was the best arrangement for us. And he did an absolute phenomenal job working, putting a deal together for us and all the terms and all the paperwork and all the other kind of good stuff. So part of why I was interested in having Chris come on is he put up a post on Instagram a couple of weeks ago that spoke exactly to that. Now, all honesty, in my 20 plus years, I did do one commercial deal. I was about six months in the business, had no idea what the hell I was doing. Fortunately, my broker did. Um, so it was a gift for me and it was an absolute disaster for my client had I taken care of it. But there's only one other guy I know who does commercial and residential. And even on the commercial side, this one in particular individual knows his lane. He only deals in certain types of commercial. Um, Chris put up a really interesting post. I was very happy to see it. And it talked about why you should focus on doing business with the people who are best suited to do the job for you. So Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming in and, for, and for being me. here. Appreciate it. Um, while, while we're at it, talk, talk to me about that. You know, talk about the posts that you put up on Instagram, what kind of feedback you got from it, what inspired you to do it and what kind of results have you seen in the few days since it was up? Uh, I posted that video uh, because, you know, for that very reason you mentioned, like I know there's a lot of, uh, dealt with some residential agents on the side of bringing a tenant or a buyer. And, you know, I've had to do a lot of handholding um, and they've had a difficult time because it is very different. Yeah. So I, I wanted to just put out there that, you know, first of all, Hey, you know, sometimes you don't know what type of rate to even charge uh, the client. And a lot of times they go with what it was in, you know, residential, the 4% or, or what whatever, it was like 20 years ago. And you're right. And they leave a lot on the table and they don't realize they don't have to go through all that and, and get into something they don't normally do or have time to do because there's a lot involved. Right. So the main point of the video was uh, just to kind of describe that, that um, I can handle everything. I'm, I'm engulfed in it every day. Uh, this is all I do. I don't do any residential. In fact, when I get residential, you know, I, I refer it out um, or, you know, work in a very behind the scenes manner, just more on the personal level than the actual business level. When you do, when you do work with the residents. Yeah, tenant, right. right. Correct. So, uh, you know, the video was just more so about just reaching out and saying, you know, Hey, give me a shot. Um, give it a little outlook of what I do as far as, you know, handling the, uh, whether it's a listing or bringing someone around to find space, and, uh, cause it is, it is very involved. Yeah. Definitely very involved. Did, did your, did your desire to do that, put that video out there come from a point of frustration 
or did you see that there was an opportunity there or was it just something that kind of popped into your head? Um, I, I think it was probably like all of those things. Okay. You know, it wasn't one, one thing. I wouldn't say it's so much frustration, uh, as much as it was just, Hey, uh, you know, I'm looking for business. This is what I do. And, uh, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry. That's all right. I'm just not, I'm drawing a little blank on that. Okay. No big deal. Um, and, and you know, along the line, let, let's talk about your, your journey into your current state of, of what you're doing with, with real estate right. uh, and the state of your business. Um, so we were talking briefly before you've been in this in some capacity for about six years or so. Uh, what'd you do before you got involved in that? Before real before estate? Before you got into totally. real estate. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I've, I've done a few things in, in my past, uh, all related to sort of somewhat related to uh, real estate in some, some way. Uh, at one point I was, I sold building materials. Uh, I worked in a, a hardware store when I was much younger. Uh, then, you know, I got into from there, um, like that was, that was a good portion of my earlier time uh, employed. And then, okay. then I started working for a developer <coughs> for some years. My family was in construction. I never dove into that. I just kind of stayed away from the family thing. Gotcha. Uh, I can relate to that. I really pushed to stay away. It was, uh, I had opportunities, but again, uh, things changed after a while. So I went into, um, work for a developer. That's kind of like where I spent a, a fair amount of my more serious employment years and, uh, learned a lot, uh, worked on the North shore, handled like class A office building, uh, a project, uh, some retail in Greenvale, uh, some luxury apartments in Great Neck. It's kind of, I was like an all around, like kind of property management. What the hell are you doing on the South shore now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would actually, I was living on the South shore, but I would shoot up there. Right. Uh, to work. But then, you know, after, after some time, uh, you know, I decided to, you know, go into another direction. Okay. With, uh, and then you went, got your license and now you're with Douglas Elliman. Correct. Based yes. out of where? Out of Huntington. Okay. I'm, my, the office is in Huntington, the commercial office, but I have like a personal office in Merrick. I, I mostly okay. work out of because I actually live in, in the Belmore uh, right. area. So it's and, nice and to And the be majority of your work is in this little five, six, eight town bubble on the South shore. It is. I'm starting to, yeah, I'm starting to expand out a little more than I, than I used to. I used to be a little bit more of a fan of just farming one area, but sometimes uh, you get into some conflicts sometimes when you're get to know most or all of the the landlords, right. uh, You find a good fit and you don't want to approach the landlord that you deal with. You don't want to approach their existing tenant and ask them, Hey, are you looking for another location or, it may turn into they're looking to move and I don't like to get into that. It's just right. Not you don't want to good. sandbag, sandbag. The, yeah. The landlord. So sometimes that gets a little tricky. So, okay. you know, I'll reach out, you know, it's not a big problem. I could reach right. out outside of the area and bring, bring and you're, in. you're a part of a team with an element, correct? Not, not exactly. No, or just the commercial division, just the commercial okay. division, uh, the commercial divisions they comprise of probably a good 10 or 10 or 15 yeah. guys there. And, uh, they're all, basically independent, but in the office, it's okay. just, it's like an independent office gotcha. within, okay. within the company. So there are some similarities between the commercial business and the real estate business from an operating standpoint. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's kind of its own Island. Yeah. I have to say it's cause it is very different than uh, everything that goes on. And what, what made you want to pursue the commercial side of the industry as opposed to the residential? 
You know, it's a good question. I had, uh, when I was about to join an office, I did look around, interviewed in a few places, and I spoke to a very successful uh, residential agent and kind of got uh, her take on it. She was in the industry for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I said, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to get into commercial then. I said, what, do you, what are your thoughts? And she said, well, what do you have background in? And I said, oh, I have background in commercial. Uh, she said, oh, why don't you check out, I didn't even know they had a commercial division. Right. Uh, she said, why don't you go to Douglas Elm? And they have a lot of, you know, good training, uh, good resources. It's a big company rather than a smaller mm -hmm. situation. Maybe as to start, you want to go that route and then explore what you want to do after that. So that's, that's kind of why I chose to go particularly uh, into commercial. It was kind of uh, just, you know, uh, stick into what I was familiar right. with rather than try to get into residential. You found a, you found a comfort zone that you could, you could learn in yeah. and develop and, and build relationships with her. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of different ways we could go. I'm trying to figure out the best um, to kind of make you most comfortable, but tell, tell me where you see, you know, as, as a salesman, but also as a business owner, uh, you know, because you are ultimately responsible for your own, your own business. Where do you see future opportunities, whether it be for, for people getting into the industry, people who are looking to become investors, um, people who are looking to be involved in the commercial business in any way, shape or form. Uh, well, there's a lot of different, you know, angles to that, yeah. obviously, or answers to that question. Cause you have your investors, you have your, you know, brokers and, and so on. Um, in the direction of commercial, as far as what to buy, uh, I would say, or what to look at as an investment property. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, a lot of people get scared of retail sometimes because they see what's going on. Um, and obviously, uh, just on a side note, industrials, you know, very hot right, right. now because people are leaving uh, the boroughs because yep. a lot of developers are buying those warehouse spaces and basically they, they have nowhere to go and they come out to the island. So that, that uh, sector has become very popular. Inventory has become very low. But retail, everybody seems to be scared of retail. And, and I actually specialize in retail. And, you know, it's really just transforms a little bit. It goes from, yeah, there, there was closing, clothing stores. There were hardware stores. There were things that are getting eaten up by, right. you know, by bigger the big monsters. Box shops. Yeah. Uh, but there's more service coming in, uh, oriented type of businesses. Uh, fitness, there's a lot of new mm -hmm. fitness concepts coming in that are franchises that are private, you know, just various things, different fast, casual food uses. Uh, and you know, it, as he looks at the fat guy and says that, thanks. <laughs> listen, I appreciate hey, it. <laughs> I, I do my fair share. Of so, uh, you know, that it's, I feel like it's never really going to be, I think it's actually a good time maybe to, to buy retail because there's a lot of scared people that right, feel. So, so let's touch on that. What makes a good commercial investor? You know, where are the, if somebody who's never done it falls into, let's throw the random, you know, seven figure number out there, falls into it and their advisors say, get into real estate. What makes retail a good investment for somebody? Where are they going to find challenges? Uh, where are they going to find successes and failures? See, retail, you know, there's different, you know, there's different math, uh, types of retail. Of course you can get retail with mixed use where there's apartments upstairs Okay, that, that I probably would suggest the most if you have that opportunity because you have, you know, kind of a little bit of both worlds of residential and, and right, commercial. Right. Um, 
but the, I, I've just like, again, I feel like there's always going to be a need for retail despite what everybody says. And, um, you know, even if you find something that's vacant, there's, if you find the right person to work with and you know, they can be good at renting space, mm-hmm. th- there's kind of your upside, you know? So that, 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 your role really is all encompassing. You're not just helping someone buy a spot. You're helping them find the right tenants and helping them understand what the right, what, how to define what the right tenant is based on. And there is no black and white, correct? Correct. Very much a gray area. Yeah. I mean, I've done in, in recent times, I've done like, you know, more main street uses actually in industrial spaces even. So yeah, there is no rule set. Um, and you know, most, most, uh, most people looking to buy a property, uh, I, like I said, I don't discourage from something being vacant and right. paying, you know, a certain amount for it because of the fact that, you know, there could be things that the existing owner is missing as far as how to get it rented or what he's doing, or maybe he doesn't work with brokers to rent. And he's okay. got a little small for rent sign that you can't read from the street. And it's just terrible at being a landlord. And just because it's vacant doesn't mean like it's a bad spot. Right. Or it's got no potential. I just looked at one today, actually, that was uh, two vacant spaces downstairs with apartments upstairs. Probably going to be listing it shortly. But it's a perfect opportunity where it looks like, you know, why are these vacant? And it's in a great spot. I just know that it's because it's an out of state, out of state owner. Okay. So they can't be open-minded because they don't know yeah. enough about the community. So yeah, yeah. you, you kind of, your role is almost well beyond sales and, and sure. matching up principles, financial advisor, community advisor. Um, you know, you, you really have to get in there and get, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Diversified among. Yeah. That that's one way basically. to go. It wasn't the exact word I was looking okay. for, but that's pretty close to it. You, you know, you, you become all encompassing to, both sides of the, both sides of the transaction. Sure. And a lot of times I find myself being, um, uh, you know, like a, just a person pulling a deal together between two parties. That's kind of how I act. I don't really get it. You know, it depends. It really depends on the situation, obviously of like who I'm working for, of course. But a lot of times in this type of business, what's, what's interesting is, you know, both sides are usually just, it's a numbers thing. Right. It's, it's, it's a little simpler than, hard negotiations back and forth. Very little emotion involved. in it. Yeah. Very little emotions involved. I mean, you know, they could happen, but obviously a lot less. You're not usually, usually when the emotion gets involved in a commercial side, it tends to be towards hostility more than anything (laughs) else. Whereas on the residential side, we're dealing with, you know, well, I raised my kids here and my cat died and you buried it in the backyard. Please don't disclose that to me because I have to share it kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. So, and and I think from a personality standpoint, you know, the, the, the handful of commercial guys that I know, you know, we're sitting here, you're, you're in a, in a suit and in a shirt and tie and a, and a jacket, you're missing the tie, but you got the suit on. It's I'm Friday. Sitting, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting here in an ACDC t-shirt right now, <laughs> jeans and good. sneakers. I love it. Uh, but you know, that's still the norm for, for you guys. You're, what I find interesting is Long Island commercial brokers remind me a lot of some of the higher end New York city residential brokers. Uh, there's a lot of commonality between, between them. And you look at the big teams in the city that are run by the big names that we all, we all know and love and or hate, depending on your perspective. Um, but there's, there's a lot in common with that, I think. And I, and I, I see that move, you know, on the residential side, I typically won't go out and, you know, and meet a client for the first time looking like this, but my day-to-day operations, you know, I've always got the suit either hanging in the back of the truck or, or in the, uh, or in the back, the back of the door in the office. 
Um, but your your world is pretty unique out here. Yeah, I mean, it's fitting for today. Uh, by the way, I might have been in a T-shirt today myself. <laughs> I just came from a showing a little while ago. Uh, but it's, it's you know, I noticed in this, in the commercial side of things, uh, you deal with still some, you know, previous generation people. Um, I totally appreciate and love being able to be a little more casual right. uh, in the business. I've seen some, some other commercial firms out there start to go in that, in that direction, which I think it's great. Um, but there's some people that you still need to kind of be able to relate with. And it's not, it's not really like, uh, to me, it's not anything more than just a sort of respect thing more than, uh, some people take it as like a showy thing, yeah. but it's really not. It's more of a, it's like a respect to your elders. I don't want to of call course. people, no, you know, I don't want to insult any clients. That listen, are, we deal with multi-generational, you know, yeah. in, what, in what we're doing. And, I, and I'm sure you've got clients in their seventies, eighties and plus, yeah. um, but you've got new people getting into the industry, into the, into the business and the investment side as well, um, which is great for the economy. If you don't have those 25 to 50 year olds or 25 to 45 year olds coming in and buying the stuff, ironic, you know, people, people die off eventually. And, you know, right. whether it's inherited or sold, you know, you've got to understand it. So you've got to understand, um, you know, like we, we talk about state of social media and communication. Um, you know, there's, I, I had a reference today to a guy who literally does all his communication by fax machine. One of the greatest copywriters in, in, in the world yeah, by the name of Dan Kennedy. And the only way to get a hold of him is by fax. He probably believes in, you know, a change in privacy or some risk. Yeah. Fa- you know, fax does have a side of being like a more, a uh, safe way to, without a doubt, yeah. you know, you're not going to the odds of your fax machine getting hacked are pretty slim. Right. Uh, as opposed to everything else that's out there. So you've got to understand levels of communication and how people want to be spoken to. And that's, uh, you know, on the business end for, for both of us, it's something that we have to understand. It's like I said to someone the other day, if I've got to learn how to master Snapchat or TikTok, as opposed to email, handwritten notes, Facebook, Instagram, it's what we got to do. Sure. Um, and, and that's an opportunity for us to learn and grow. And, and it got into tick, uh, TikTok a little bit. My, uh, more. my daughter, I actually had a Musical.ly account. I didn't realize it changed to TikTok. I got a 10-year-old daughter. So yes, I'm surrounded by it all the time. <laughs> but at the same time, my my 10-year-old, who was probably six at the time, is the one who taught me how to use Snapchat. I had no idea what the hell it was, let right. alone how to use it. Yeah. And within a week, you know, I'm banging out and geotagging and running ads and the whole nine yards. And she taught me all the basics. And then I dove in and figured out where to learn it from there. So... Um, you know, the, the teacher doesn't always have to be the oldest one in the room. They just got to be the one who's the most observant sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I, I caught the last uh, time I saw her another, uh, I think you were just doing like an interview somewhere and you were talking about that. You like to look behind you yeah, to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Listen, uh, I, I, I'm at midlife. I'm the, I'm not afraid to admit it. So I've got just as much opportunity going older as I do going younger, as far as who our target audience is. Sure. Um, I love what you're doing. And yeah. I totally saw like, you know, I mean, we met actually probably sometime time flies. I yeah. think it was even a little bit. It's been a while. Bile. Yeah. And at least I've been following it. Sometimes yep. it's on social media. It really feels like that's that. the weird part that is you, you it meet is, somebody right? and you're like, you, like, you know them, you're on a yes. first name basis. You give each other a hug and you're like, yeah. wait, I've never actually seen you up close right. and personal. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely saw, you know, your, uh, your interest in, 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 Gary V yep. and that direction. And yep. I think, you know, what you're doing is uh, really incredible. And I'm, I'm looking forward it. to seeing, yeah. uh, you know, Dean Miller media. 
It's you know, we, <laughs> in we, the works. We, we joke, but it was a conversation I actually had this week. And, and with, with the person I interviewed right before you, we talked about it as well as how you can have multiple companies and different verticals at the same time, as long as you have that umbrella company and you have your core values, your mission, your vision clearly defined for each of the companies. Um, and I always said, you know, it's like people have said to me for years, they're saying to me more and more often now, are you getting into the real estate coaching business? And mm -hmm. I said, well, I've been in the real estate coaching business since the day I got my license. Uh, I'm coaching myself. I'm coaching the people around me. Now as a broker, I've got to coach the people and train the people who are on my staff. But I don't plan on going out there and competing with the quote unquote national real estate coaches. So yes, I'm in the coaching business and I study all of them to see what I can do better, what I can do worse, where I could be of help to others, whether they're my, you know, it, uh, I, I was asked to do a training uh, the other day if I would consider doing a training for com a competitive, a competing brand. And my first immediately, I said, of course, whatever you need, let me know. I'll come in and do it. It makes me better at what I do. And it goes back to my conversations from years ago where when I was invited up onto a stage at some of these events with 200, 500, 1,000 people in the room, and they said, would you get up on stage and can we have you speak or do a panel? Answer was always yes, no matter what the topic was. If I knew anything, I was willing to share. The reason why I love it is the more opportunities I get to teach, the more I learn. You know, you could take every person in that room combined. I learned more than all of them, no matter whether it was taking me. the action of doing it. Yeah. Right. So, I, you know, you'll hear me refer to it all the time. So I'm just doing this to get the reps. You know, I don't know what better is. I just want to get more comfortable doing it. And as an interviewer, you know, which is kind of my role with the podcast is how do I pull value out of, out of the person sitting across the table from me? Um, but at the same time, whether it's helping them become more self-confident, self-aware, introspective, whatever you need it to be, that's kind of my role. So I, I feel like, you know, I, I did an interview last week and I, I played a psychological game with somebody and he's high strung and I've got the Italian Sicilian hands that are always going because my mother always points it out to me <laughs> and I'm watching him and he's swiveling in his chair and he's going. I said, all right, I'm going to play the game. And I literally sat there. Mic up, mouth up against the mic, hands folded and barely moved, slowed down my breathing just to see if it would slow him down. And it, it did. So, you know, I learned a lot about what I have control over. Um, and that will make me better at everything that I do is when you notice little things, you know. So every day there's a learning opportunity. Every minute there's a learning opportunity. Right. Uh, and that's why I'd like to have all kinds of different people. Uh, most of my guests have had some tie in to the real estate industry since we started. And we're only about does, uh, you know, eight or 10 in. Um, but I'll have somebody in my, my next one who's from a completely different business. Uh, I've had a construction guy sitting over there. I've had my 10 year old daughter sitting over there. I've had a uh, uh, woman who runs a networking company. I've been watching. Yeah. And, and I, I like that diversity. It's like I said, you know, if I can get my dad to focus, I would love to interview my father. Um, because 40 plus years in the financial services industry, running one of the biggest banks in the country, guys learned a few things that people could learn from. And I hear it every day. So to me, it's just second nature, but I know there's tremendous value we could pull out of him as well. Um, so we're always, we're always looking to get a little crazy and, and see, you know, my goal is to get Gary V on, on the podcast. I don't expect him sitting in that chair, <laughs> but we'll take the equipment on the road, uh, because the guy carries a lot of leverage. And sure. I would think a lot of the people who follow me follow him as well. I, I can't quantify that, but um, you know, I just think that there's value in talking to so many different people. So I've, I've got a laundry list. That's why I tell everybody you, you want to give it a shot, 
you don't like it, we'll throw it on the cutting room floor. To use an old school musician reference of mine. Uh, I'm dating myself again. Uh, let's go along that lunch. You're a, you're kind of a music fanatic. You got yes. some skill and talent. Talk about it. Yeah. Well, I, I started playing, uh, actually, I lived in Florida for a little while in my life earlier on. And uh, uh, actually, my parents were divorced at a very young age. And it, it was actually more of an outlet for me. Uh, more than anything. It wasn't just like, Hey, I want to get into playing guitar. Uh, but when I was down in Florida, I really, uh, needed some kind of outlet. And and that's what I chose. Picked up a chord book, started playing, uh, you know, placing my finger where the dots were and, uh, used to take it up to the beach. We used to live in like Daytona beach. So there's like, a, I don't know if you've ever yep. been there long 26 mile beach, plenty of areas to just like sit up against Hide, the, do whatever you need. I'd go down there at night, moons out. So it's like not pitch black. And there's a, sometimes I get a set of steps going right, right. into yep. a wall to sit and I'd sit there and I play and it was like very relaxing. And, and I, and I use it still the same way today in a fact of like, you know, your, your daily, um, things that come up, uh, stress, anxiety, whatever it is. And for me, it has to be a part of my life every day. I have to make time for it. So, uh, you know, fast forward many years later, you know, I, I played in some bands uh, in the city. Well, okay. one in particular in the city. We did all all original music, and uh, it was a fun part of my life. I mean, we were getting paid in beers, and you know, not necessarily a bad thing, depending it, on your age. <laughs> you know, and we did a, you know a lot of open mic type of of things. It, it was great, great experience. Lugging the amps around in 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 the, in the winter time in the snow, yeah. uh, and, and then eventually, you know, I just made a decision that. You know, I didn't really want to play out so much. It was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of uh, running around. It started, it started not to be fun. That's, I can relate to that. So I, I just said, you know, I, I probably took a little break from it for a little while. Uh, and then I, I just always go back. Um, then I, you know, recent times I bought a piano. I played a little bit of piano in the past. So I just bought one maybe about a year ago um, when I got back into my house here. And like I said, it's just, it's without it. It's like, it's some people going to the therapist for me. That's, that's yeah. my therapy. It's, what did you know that that's, that's a good path to go down. What did, what did you learn from your time in the music industry? You know, or, or may, maybe not necessarily in the industry, quote unquote, but in your time doing it, you know, yeah. what, what lessons were pulled from that for you? Cause you mentioned a couple of things that I think you can go. The down. biggest thing I pulled, and I don't even know if this is what you're looking for, but the biggest thing I pulled from music is being grounded to uh, what I feel life is. I don't, I don't want to get no, too, too crazy here with this, but we can get philosophical. <laughs> I'm good with it. You know, everything's about the world as a stage, right? As Shakespeare said, yep. but I find music for me is like um, kind of just, I don't know. It gives me kind of like a ticket into, um, the part of life that's really like uncertain and mysterious. And kind of like a form of meditation for you. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's very hard to explain, but it, it grounds me, which where some people feel like you'd be drifting off with it being in that land. But uh, I, for me, it's, it's just, I guess my own thing that I can create my own art, my own songs, whatever I want to write about, however I want it to sound. And uh, you know, it, it just takes me, it, I don't know. It, it makes me feel the real part of life rather okay. than 
you know, I don't care who you are. You dress up, you don't dress up. Everybody's got a, everybody's got a show. Everyone's everybody's got, got a story got a, and everyone's got a show. It, it is what it is. Yeah. Every, every human being on the planet loves to have a little significance and be noticed or no one would be on Instagram or Facebook or right. anything. Um, so it, for me, it's just a way that I can kind of escape from that a little bit and just be me and enjoy my connection with life. Play it it might day. sound, I, I do pretty much at this point. There was a point where I, where I didn't, but I, I do now. Uh, I have to. Okay. It's become a thing where I need to, I need to have that time. Part of your daily routine. It's difficult. I have two children. Okay. Okay. Two and seven. Gotcha. And uh, got your hands full. I got my hands full, <laughs> but you know, the good thing is uh, they go to bed uh, probably around nine and my wife as well, she goes to bed pretty early and I have the opportunity downstairs to, uh, you know, I have just this time block and, it, you know, unfortunately it makes me stay up late. I don't like yeah. to stay up late cause you get a little bit of, you know, sluggish the next day at times or whatever. So I get up early, you know, in the morning, probably like five, five thirty in the morning to just try to get some things done that are, you know, uh, work related before all the madness starts and the phone calls start. Right. But I, I, a lot of times I'm up till even midnight, uh, just getting in the music because I have to. I have, all to right. I have to play. I have to write. I, I could relate to some extent. Back in the mid '80s through mid to late '90s, I was a I was a DJ, worked in nightclubs, but I did a lot of mobile stuff. I made a, I made a good amount of money over a long period of time doing it. And I, I I heard you mention before, you know, lugging the amps and the wires through the snow and the wind and the rain. And, you know, four o'clock in the morning, you get out and you got one roadie with you, but I never forget. We used to work at the, the World Trade Center at Windows on the World. We had an annual Christmas party. We used to used to do, and it was a it was like a ten hour event. It was like a nineteen hour day for us, though, because you had to go through security to get up there, and then you had to go through security to get back down. It was a nor'easter that came in one year. Every, everybody's leaving. Rain's coming down. You know, black tie and gowns and the whole thing. And we're watching from up on the roof. You know, right, basically right off the roof. And I'm just sitting there praying, saying, please stop, please stop, please stop. <laughs> Three o'clock rolls around, four, four thirty-five. We're finally out of the building. We got to drive back here to the island. So a lot, a lot of laughs, a lot of good memories doing it, but not the kind of, not the kind of life that I, I want to live anymore. But I would, you know, it's, most of the things I've done in life, I'd never have any regrets about uh, the successes and the failures. But the stories I could tell you about that, you know, we, we'd have to change the rating system on the podcast label to, uh, <laughs> to get away with that. Right. But it, it's, you know, and then I, I spent some years, uh, I studied audio recording out in, uh, uh, somewhere out in Farmingdale. What's what I always wanted to do was get into the music business when I was, when I was a kid and it, like you talk about hours, you know, no sleep. You're, yeah. you're, you're a vampire. I'm, I'm digressing again, falling down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Corey and I always joke because I always say, no matter what time of day it is, what we're doing, I always, we should have named the podcast. Welcome to the rabbit the hole. Rabbit hole. Yeah. I'm always like head that, first though. with my feet sticking out of it. You never know. Evolution. Um, what's the future hold? What kind of plans do you have for yourself? What do you want to do? You know, if, if we had 5 million people listening to us right now, who would you want to talk to and where do you want to go? What can we do to help connect you with people to get you wherever that next level may be in whatever aspect it is? Uh, can it be music? It could be anywhere. <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, look, it, I think anybody's art or the things they most like 
passionate about. I mean, you know, look, I'm passionate. I, I, I enjoy real estate a lot. I like, uh, the, the aspects of, uh, you know, the negotiating, the meeting new people, the showing space and, um, you know, just seeing something come to fruition, uh, being a part of pulling a deal together. Right. I, I enjoy all that, but of course, uh, you know, music's more of a, one of those things where, you know, don't quit your day job. And yeah. I love it. So what I, I would love the opportunity to, um, meet a couple of old time songwriters, okay. uh, or artists and sit down and say, Hey, you know, I'd, I'd love to see what you think and maybe, maybe collaborate a little bit. Learn the, learn their processes yeah, and how they got where they sure, got. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it's all self-taught in a, in a sense. I mean, there is probably schooling uh, that probably talks about those type of things, yeah. structure. And because no matter if you're trying to be creative, you know, you need, you need to have some kind of outline. Yeah, but, but even if you look at, you know, you look at the Stevie Ray Vaughan's of the world, the guy never read a note of music in his life. And it's true. In but my, I, what I mean by structure is like uh, not necessarily reading, but just, you know, having a start, ha going to oh, a the, chorus. The story going, of yeah, the song exactly. and the process. I got you. you know, yeah. Cause I've always had a hard time with uh, finishing songs in my time. Like I would write a, a really powerful first verse, first verse, the chorus is the chorus. It repeats, but going, I feel like I say it all in the first verse. Okay. And then it's very hard to continue in the second verse to, you feel like you said it all already. Is this, is this you overanalyzing yourself or beating yourself down or have other people told you that? No, it, it could, it could be, it could be overthinking. It's like you always, the problem is you always try to make it something perfect. Yeah, okay? Perfect doesn't exist, my friend. I know. Well, I mean, you know, as close as you can. Yep. Uh, and that's just the natural thing that unfortunately is ingrained in you. Um, and uh, speaking of philosophy, uh, I remember a topic on that. Um, I'll t talk to you about it another time. So I, got, I got a book on stoic wisdom floating around the office that I read every day. I'm, uh, trust me, I could go down. about the uh, idea of perfection and why it exists in your mind to begin with? Possibly, but I, let's go, let's go down Descartes. that path. No. So he just said, hey, I'm going to prove that God, God exists. And uh, the idea of what perfection is that the fact that you just said there's no such thing as perfection, which really is, is the case. I mean, you could cut this table into a million little pieces. Right. You could, um, you know, there's just nothing you could draw a circle, never be perfect. You can have a machine draw a circle. It'll never be perfect. You can bring a microscope in and see that it's not. So there's nothing that's perfect. Right. But the idea of it, that you've never seen it, that you've never experienced it, but you know about it is supposed to be, the idea of, of what God is that's just instilled in your, in your mind. Okay. To know it is to mean that it exists some way, somehow, if everybody understands it, but hasn't seen it. That makes sense to you. I, f I feel like I need a couch to, to lay down on. <laughs> I feel like I'm being analyzed here. I, I do. It, it's deep, you know, and, and I, I like that kind of stuff because I like, I like things that challenge me to make me think and, and broaden your horizons. And, and that's a big part of why I'm doing this as well, is I want to learn about everybody. Um, as a result of that, I learn more about myself and that makes me a better version of me every day. And talk about rabbit holes, huh? Yeah. See? Yeah. And, I and, could bring you in a rabbit hole too. Oh yeah. That's, that's not the hole. That's like, that's like the tunnel that just goes on forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the great dig. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a, 
there's a time and a place for it. It's like, you, you know, I, I, I do my meditation. I'm supposed to do it twice a day. I only do it once a day. You've got your routine. We talk about all the, all those different things. And I, I, I love hearing other people's versions of their own internal therapy. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with therapists and all the other stuff. It's just, there's a time and a place. And I, I am not in that place right now, which is a good thing for me. Um, Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Do you That's feel, we're here. do you feel, uh, I don't know for me, I feel like as much as you, you hear some people you talk to say, Hey, you should, it's always good to talk to somebody. It's always good to, to, to see a therapist or right. whatever, and, you know, totally normal I hear it all the time. Uh, have you ever felt that you want to become your own therapist instead, because you feel like maybe speaking to someone else or their views on you or, or, you know, <laughs> bouncing it off them, uh, you know, it's harder to do that. It's harder to I, find I, without a doubt. I couldn't agree with you more to, to, to you know, and, and you see that from, you know, Tony Robbins, yep. different things like that. It's almost like you don't need me. He says, right? right. I'm just here temporarily where you could be going to somebody forever. And then for some reason you always hear about people continuing to go forever mm-hmm. for a long time. And, you know, he was always like saying, Hey, I'm a one-stop shop. Right. So I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, in self-help and as much as you can, because it's harder. I think self-help is, is a very important thing to, to try to master. But again, it's like perfection. Does it really exist? I think the downside to someone who gets too immersed in self-help is that you kind of get that internal whirlwind and you internalize everything. And I think that's what leads to the breakdown that so many people have. Um, because you, you need to understand that there are other, I think if you get too absorbed in it, you become masochistic almost. It's, you know, I'm always right. I'm the best version. There's no alternative. And you kind of, you know, in, in my, in between my years right now, I'm thinking, I'm just seeing like these two tornadoes rolling into each other and what happens, you know, when you, they just become, you know, does it depend what that person's dealing with though? And I think that's part of it. You know, if it's, if you're dealing with, I don't like the color of my hair or the haircut that I have or the facial hair that I do or don't have, you know, that's a simple problem. If I have this issue with my own mental health, which is an important issue to me that says, do I want to stay around or do I want to end this? You know, they're two very different extremes. Sure. Um, so I think self this turned into psychological. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I could, I could easily <laughs> go down that path because I, you know, I, I've experienced a suicide in my life. I, uh, I've experienced several, uh, you know, I've lost some friends to mental health. I, my, my ultimate goal is to do work with people in the, who, who have PTSD issues and veterans and homelessness and all that kind of stuff. Um, so for me, it's, it's a subject I don't openly talk about all that often yet. You know, I have a plan in mind and there's a time frame that comes along with it where I want to be the advocate, but I just haven't positioned myself to do it yet and do it well enough or properly. I like uh, the sound of that. It sounds yeah. very. Yeah. I mean, ultimately what, what I have shared is, you know, my, my big term goal. And by the way, I try to do that through music. Yeah. When I'm writing. Yeah. It's funny. I, I think about that too. Cause I've also had some friends in the past yeah. that were going down that path. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where the therapeutic part of it, yeah. I, I really like. And that's where you, and those are the things that you can internalize it. But the reason you do that is to express it, is to get it out. And that's always my fear. I, I guess that that was the, the wall I was having a hard time getting over was when you do that internal kind of stuff, 
you still have to have that outlet. You've got to get, you've got to break out of that shell or that box or get to the other side of the wall. So, and when you're saying that, you mean as far as being like social in general, or are you talking about talking to someone versus either again, depends on your level of, of severe or lack of severity or importance, or, you know, is it, is it just a simple little thing? Like I, you know, I can't get over the fact that my phone case is peeling (laughs) or, or, you know, I've got a serious mental issue. Sure. Um, you know, so that, that's a lot of what, what drives me. You know, I, I've started saying it more and more and, and what really pulled it out of me was I was at an event in, uh, January, I think it was of last year. And Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher was up on stage. And I don't remember the context of the whole conversation because I was just so blown away once he got me to stand up and say something and where the day went. I'll go down that path. Um, but he was asking something along the lines of what's your big goal? What's the most important thing you want to accomplish in life outside of your own personal and family stuff? And he looked around the room and he pointed, and I thought he pointed at me, he pointed at the guy that was standing behind me. And I stood up and I said, I want to solve a problem in this country. I don't ever want to see another veteran have a, be homeless again. I want to solve that problem in my lifetime. And like, he stopped and he looked at me, he goes, brother, you and I got to talk after this is over. 40 minutes later, the event is over. And he's like, where'd that come from? I said, it's always been something in my head. I'm in a real estate business, homeless. Everybody, every veteran is entitled to, to have a roof over their head, in my opinion. And I'm not a fan of the word entitlement. But for what these men and women have gone through in life and what they were, how they were compensated for it, they all did it out of, you know, from their heart. They didn't do it for the wallet. Then to see what they go through when they come back. You know, I had a grandfather who served in World War II and lived in a VA home for 26 years after a massive stroke. We took as good a care of pop as we could. VA did as well as they could, but it's not the kind of place I would wish on most people. Um, so, you know, Eric pulls me off stage. We talked for 35, 40 minutes. It was the most mind opening thing. And if you know anything about him, if you can't get inspired by that guy, you can't get inspired. You know, and I use the word carefully. It's not motivation. It's inspiration. Right. Motive to your point earlier, motivation comes from within. Right. Inspiration comes from outside of that. Right. My belief. I sure. Could, again, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. It's one of Dennis Miller's famous lines and I've used it constantly and tell everybody we're not related, but I'm stealing that <laughs> damn line. I think I own the domain name too. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Pull me out of the rabbit yeah, hole because you're, let, you're let, leading the interview. Yes, now. Let's go. Yes. I, 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 uh, and I'm good with that. <laughs> I've never been a guest here, so I'm good with it. Let's go. Welcome to the Chris Pesci show. <laughs> wow. I think I'm going to start a podcast uh, inspired by you. I, you know, I think anybody who's got any kind of message, even if it's just once a week, sit down in front of your phone and talk and post it. Sure. I, I think, you know, the it's a, it's. You it's feel not, like though the world's getting a little bit full of a lot of people that are doing that kind of speaking out of like when they're not uh, say an expert in an area or, or whatever. Um, but opinions aren't a bad thing. Yeah. As I, long I, as they're reasonably educated. I don't know. Like I feel like Facebook, I got a little bit more turned off from than, than anything because you know, it, it, I, you know, Instagram I've gravitated more, more to because I feel like the content's a little more solid right. than what you're seeing. It's almost like, I don't want to talk bad about residential again. Like we're Go for we're it. Call, I, it, call it emotional, but Facebook's more of like this whole emotional place. And I don't know. I feel like Instagram's usually a little more on the business side or just like shorter clips, quicker to the point 
or uh, people that are a little more personal, just kind of like showing themselves having. I think Insta. I think well, Instagram, Facebook being the same company, I think they know what you like and they just feed you more of what they know you're going to like, so you can stay on it longer. Well, they need to work on that with Facebook because yeah. I'm like I've been tuning out of that. <laughs> I don't I know. I, I I'm just I, yeah. I've definitely gravitated more towards yeah, uh, Instagram. As, as have I. You know, the majority of my content starts on it is either prepared for or posted first on Instagram before it goes almost anywhere else. Um, and I guess it's also who you're associated with in both yeah. platforms. Obviously you're probably associated more with, you know, certain family members and so on and so forth that are posting like pictures of, uh, you know, expressions and stuff like that. The, al- the algorithm are- is, is genius. And yeah, I don't know how the hell they figured out how to do it, but right. they, they know everything. We had, we had a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about databases and CRMs. And I mentioned the name of a company that she had never heard of. And an hour later, she sends me a text saying, I just got a post from that company show up sponsored on my Instagram. Like big brothers were watching. You speaking on the phone. No, we were oh. talk. We were talking. I mean, literally oh, standing really? around this room. Oh, and wow. I mentioned the name of the company. Um, That's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's the world we live in there. Yeah. There's no such thing as privacy. So you've got to be careful what you do and say right. all the time. Absolutely. It's, it's why I've gotten very comfortable with myself to say, there's not much that comes out of my mouth that I, I wouldn't be willing to put on the, the, the front page of the New York times and say, yep, he said that. Right. It's just me. Sure. Um, you know, I'm sure we all have deep, dark secrets. We want to keep sure. the skeletons in the closet, but you know, that's the way you got to live your life nowadays. Right. Uh, all right. Yeah, so thanks for, thanks for dragging me. This, sorry about no, the, don't, uh, don't apologize. The rabbit hole. Now I'm, I'm going to listen back to this one like nine times myself. I don't, <laughs> if it gets 11 <laughs> listens and nine of them are me and one of them's Corey, cause he's producing it. I'm good with that. Thanks mom for being number 11. You know? Wow. Yeah, no, there's, there's some, there's some thought. Thank you. Cause we're leading into the weekend and now I've got time and yeah, that's all right. Shoot. You had something if, else. If Let's you, go I was going to say, if you want to rewind back into, you know, the real estate world again, uh, that's fine. But uh, I like, to be honest with you, I like staying outside. I like, I like using the real estate world for conversation starters here because so many of the people that I've had have been in it, but it's really about business, not so much real estate. Right. So, um, so going forward, you had yeah. started to mention, you know, what do I see say in the future? Right. Uh, plans. I think you had mentioned that in the, in the past uh, plans for the future. Uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I, I believe in goal setting. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm definitely not always doing that. You know, I mean, most of all the five-year plan. Okay. You know, I, I, sometimes I just don't look ahead that far. I feel like sometimes life's too short and, um, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of live a little more in the present and, and I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, looking more at five-year goals okay. and 10-year long-term goals. I just, I don't know. I, I, I just don't do it so much. Is I kind it, of go like deal to deal, situation to situation. Because you've got me playing psychologist on, on the couch and in the chair and you and philosophical and all the other stuff. Is that out of, uh, is that come from a point of like, so when. Maybe it's coming out of the point that I'm happy. Uh where I am that, you know, most of it's, you're in a, you know, if you're in a comfort zone and, and, and you don't know something as much as people say, and I've, and I've been down the road of listening to and being and having the feeling of breaking out of a comfort zone and mm-hmm. doing something different. 
I think that's when you're really seeking for like something else. Uh, I feel like some people feel good and there's in nothing the, wrong with being content. Yeah, there's nothing wrong in the comfort zone. If, yep. if, if you, if the things you reached out to get already and you've worked hard, then you kind of pulled them in. And now that's your new comfort zone. It's no one. I mean, you got to have time to enjoy the things you do. And that's why sometimes I don't agree when, you know, some people are about, um, you know, uh, being so frugal and not enjoying life. I, I don't know. It's a weird topic. I think I'm more surprised at the fact that while I, the Chris Pesci I knew before you sat down here was a guy I liked. Um, there's a very different, it's part of why I don't like to talk too much with a guest before we, we talk. Uh, Cause I want it to just flow. I'm seeing such a very different side of you that I respect and appreciate. And I like that knowing now what I didn't know then I probably could have seen it, but like there's a side of you that's very different. And and I, I admire the fact that, you know, there's for lack of a better term, a bubble that you're most comfortable in. And even though you can see through, that's why I don't like the box reference. You could see through the bubble that there may be something bigger and better. Bigger and better doesn't necessarily mean bigger and better right. when you've got it inside. You know, because you talked about that introspective and the, like the, the, I hope it's a, I hope it's a good thing. There's no there there's a there's a deep there's a deep not dark there's a deep side to you that that I'm pulling out of this that I'm starting to notice, um, and I, I really do appreciate that. That it's it's very cool. I think a lot of it has to do with the musician in you. Uh, musicians tend to be unique personalities from one extreme or the other, you know, not everybody could be, could be Motley Crue and not everybody's going to be Bob Dylan uh, or Joan Baez. And, and again, that's not an age thing. Um, when you were talking about songwriting before, you know, I, I used to love it and I used to read all of Dylan's lyrics. I had all the books and same thing with Springsteen. They were great storytellers. Um, and as I started study, studying storytelling in the marketing perspective, I kept going back to that. Um, the, the flow and the pattern. And that's why I listen, like you say, you can write the beginning of a great song, but you struggle with the end of it. And, and I'm kind of trying to remember a lot of my old, stu- old school composing kind of mentality. Uh, you know, like I'd write lyrics and poetry and random stuff when I was in high school, just to entertain myself. Yeah. Most of it sucked because it sucked. There was one, one or two would be brilliant and I've lost them and have no idea what the hell they'd say. But I, I really like the fact that you've got a story and you've got, you've got a comfort zone. And you own it, you know, you're not afraid to admit that. And that's, that's something that not I mean, a I lot t- of people I, I, have. Listen, I, I go out of it. I take it up a level when I feel like I, I really need it. I don't know if that makes any yeah. sense. Like if I feel like. Oh, listen, you're a parent. I'm bored or I feel like, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not feeling passionate about life. Then I'll step it up. But if I feel good about what's going on. Like my family, I, I love my family. That's what I was to say. As a, uh, as a parent, I'm I'm there. I'm like my, you know, yeah. you're whatever for, it is. You're, you're forced to adjust yeah, sometimes, yeah. but I mean, I feel like you, you strive, seem to have a center. You strive. Which I love. Those who strive to get out of the comfort zone are those who are not happy with what's going on inside there. Yeah, and it's a reach, and I don't I don't think it's a bad thing. It's but a very different. It just pers- means you ha- you become you know you you're trying to yeah. you know you're trying to find you have something. a very different perspective from what is kind of the normal perspective that's being pushed out there in society today, right now, yeah. more often than not, you know, it may be 50.1, 49.9. It may be 80, 20. I don't know, but 
there's a very soothing perspective that you have to this. And, you know, and I listen to what you're saying. And as a parent, you know, sometimes you got to get out of that comfort zone because you got to do what's in the best interest of your family. Right. Um, but you seem to have that center. And that's, but, you know, sometimes someone's comfort zone isn't necessarily the same comfort zone that someone else is of course, perceiving it as. Um, my comfort zone might be this big in the world to someone that's this big. Right. And vice it, versa. It could be. And vice versa. So uh, when I say that, I'm not saying that, hey, I like to be lazy and I don't want to strive for bigger and better things mm -hmm. for like the future of my family. It's more of, uh, uh, I don't know, sometimes I feel like overdoing the bar could cause you to miss everything going on in the middle. Like yeah. every day, your kids growing up. As long as you're not, not taking those chances out of fear. Right. I think then you're in a, you're that's a true. Spot, right. You know? Exactly. That, that yeah. is definitely, if you're using it as an excuse not to where, where learn I'm, from. Yeah. Where I'm right. having a struggle right now is you talk about the comfort zone, but there's really kind of two definitions of that. Is it right. the comfort zone because that's where you truly belong or is it you're comfortable there because you're afraid of, are, are you stuck there because you're afraid? Well, and I'm uh, not, I'm not hearing the afraid part from you, which, yeah. which is extremely admirable. Well, I'll tell you firsthand, uh, talking about comfort zones, uh, I, I've never done a podcast before yep. and, uh, I hesitated because it's like, I almost know? hung up on you twice when we were talking yesterday. I'm like, just come and put the headphones on, <laughs> trust the process, trust the, I promise you're not going to get hurt. Yeah. Well, look, you know, it's, it's, it's really just about that. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And, uh, um, and, and that's not the comfort zone I'm talking about. No, I got you. I got you. That is just, uh, you know, that's another segment that, you know, you're learning, you know, taking, you know, doing things you don't like to do, um, is more of a fear conquering thing than I, I don't look at that in the, in the comfort zone I'm talking about. Yeah. It's not changing the zone you're in. It's just kind of expanding yeah, it a little zones. bit. different zones. Like I, I can't, I can't look at the whole thing as like, here's my comfort zone. Everything's inside yeah. of it. It's like fear has a comfort zone. Yep. Happiness has a comfort zone. And, you know, if you're trying to break out of, I don't know, I, it's just hard. It's like a mixing board, you know, it's, they're not all created equal. Right. There's, there's different levels for different things. Yeah. I, don't know. I think, you know, it, I, I think we could carry on in this conversation if we, too long. And if we played it at a higher speed, because I think we're both thinking so much, there's a lot of dramatic pauses, which just doesn't make good for radio yes, yeah. uh, or, or audio. Right. Um, but I, 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 I want to pick up on this conversation at another time, sure. maybe, you know, whether it be yeah, over absolutely. a beer or a bottle of bourbon or, yes. or a bottle of water, I, I don't care, or in front of the mics again. But I'm really like you've, you've, I'm getting very introspective based off a lot of things that you're dropping on the table right now. And I, I, I thank you for that because I think it'll make me better at what I do here with other people and in my career and in my business as well. And I will, I could assure you, I will reflect back to this hour at some point in the not too distant future and say that it created an opportunity for me to pivot a little bit to make a difference. Because, you know, when you look at that, that journey of, of a thousand miles, if, if your destination point is off by just, you know, one, one hundredth of a percent, you could end up in a completely different, different world. Right. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Any closing comments, statements, arguments? people you could reach, we could reach out to for you, uh, questions you'd like answer. You'd like to get answered from any of our listeners, anything like that. And if the answer is no, we'll tap out. Uh, nothing really comes to mind okay. for that. Um, 
I, 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 I wish I could have focused a little more on the business aspect. That's right. And uh, there will like be plenty want. of opportunities to do that. And I think as we progress down the road, I think we will, we will kind of create some, uh, we'll dovetail off of the main theme of what we're doing to say we have specialty areas. And as we do more and more of that, you're definitely at the top of the list of people that I want to bring in. Because like I said, there's only two commercial brokers on Long Island that I have ever worked with that I've been very satisfied with. Uh, you being the most recent one. So I appreciate that. So uh, we're going to link up all of Chris's contact info, uh, all his social media handles. Um, I'll let him determine whether or not he wants any of you following his personal stuff and listening to his music. But if you do get a chance, listen, the guy's got talent. Um, Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate all the work you did for me, for my company, getting us set up here. Uh, and I appreciate your time and letting us be, be the first one to get you over the hump. If you do ever decide to go down that path, knock we'll let you in you could use our equipment launch your own show it could be a show of one you could bring the whole studio in for all i care it's part of what we're looking to do is to say uh if we can help people come out of their shell and create media i've got the equipment and if i'm not using it god god bless come in and and, and let's go it's my way to build my network of people as well so right. thank you so much for thank coming you. in my friend Love as always doing. thank you so much for tuning into opportunity knocks i guess chris pesci here um we want to thank him for coming by subscribe, like, share, comment, all that other kind of good stuff. You know what to do. Tune in next time. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks so much. Have a great day.